I am super excited to spend some time with you today to talk about some technologies that are used in retail today to drive on-shelf availability, reporting, alerting, and resolution. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about algorithms. We've talked about robotic cameras that go up and down and uh, shelf scanning robots that go up and down the aisle and, and scan out of stocks. We've talked about RFID. The next one we wanna talk about is fixed cameras in stores and on-shelf availability sensors. We've got three really good guests, uh, one from SES Magatag, one from InView Corporation, InView Technology, and another one from Focal Systems. Let's listen in to the podcast that we have to talk about fixed camera and sensor solutions. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike Grain. It is a pleasure to have you on this uh, on this Friday. Uh, we are continuing our series on the conversations in retail and the University of Arkansas on on shelf availability. I'm joined with uh, a, a couple of very, uh, three very, very interesting people who are in the fixed camera and sensor space, and we'll get into introducing them in just a second. Uh, but just a, just a couple housekeeping things. Uh, first off, uh, we're going to we're going to walk through this. Just introduce myself. Uh, I've been in the uh, retail supplier world for about 40 years. Been with P&G, Walmart, uh, Collaboration LLC. Uh, I really have a strong passion for on-shelf availability, and uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to hit the senior years of my career, and I really want to give back to the industry that's treated me so well, and I believe on-shelf availability is an incredibly important area. So I'm volunteering with Conversations in Retail in the University of Arkansas, and uh, I'm really excited about what we're talking about here today for sure. Uh, just a couple of uh, uh, housekeeping rules. Uh, we're going to keep this conversation very active uh, and interactive with the panelists. Um, we're going to ask the the, uh, the participants to stay on the mute uh, unless you have a question and a comment. And if you do have a question or comment, uh, please make sure you use the chat function to send those into us. And I'll make sure we get those. I do have some uh, prescripted questions that we want to walk through, uh, but uh, we will have plenty of time at, at the end of every big uh, portion of our discussion uh, to cover any questions you guys have. Um, we're going to cover this based on antitrust guidelines. We have three companies that could be perceived as being direct competitors. So we're not here to talk about things like prices and margins and discounts and ROI or anything like that. Uh, we'll give you their contact information if you're interested in contacting with them about any of these functions. We'd encourage you to have those conversations uh, offline from this. Okay. Um, with that, I, I do want to recognize two organizations which are absolutely instrumental to help us get this uh, put on. One is Conversations on Retail. Uh, our good met friend Matt Freifer owns that company as an entrepreneur in the retail space. We'd encourage you to look at Conversations on, in, on Retail, both on the website as well as LinkedIn, and consider becoming part of that. A lot of different kinds of technology and a lot of different uh, areas like marketing and and sales and things like that. Uh, a lot of information about what's going on in the industry. And obviously he's uh, very passionate about on-shelf availability like I am. And the second is the University of Arkansas, uh, the Sam Walton College. Uh, the Sam Walton College didn't get its name because of uh, anything other than Sam Walton. So uh, for sure, they are very interested in the retail supply chain. Uh, and you, uh, we're, we're connected with the supply chain department 
which is now called the JB Hunt Supply Chain Department. They just did a big grant with the uh, JB Hunt organization. So uh, we would encourage you to get involved with the outreach group, which is part of the University of Arkansas in the Supply Chain Center. Uh, and we can get you more information on that as well. Um, we're going to we're going to briefly say that this is a continuing series. We have looked at algorithms uh, as a way of being able to take algorithms and calculate algorithms to to produce OSA. That's already out there saved on YouTube and LinkedIn. If you're interested in that, um, we are going to be talking about store audits in a few weeks. Uh, things like field agent and tracks, et cetera, are going to be to talk about how to collect that data from an in-store crowdsourcing. Um, we've talked about shelf scanning robots uh, like Badger Robot, Zippity Robot, Simbi Robot, and the Brain Robot. Those are all really good uh, alternatives to be able to do shelf scanning robots. Uh, we've talked about RFID. Uh, we've had a whole presentation on radio frequency identification. Um, and now we, there's two others that are very important. One is we've got a lot of companies doing online shopping in stores. Things like Instacart or individual retailers that are doing shopping on behalf of customers and delivering it to their carts or to their homes or to their, their cars, et cetera. That's another source. Those nil picks where I couldn't find a product and I have to indicate that are another good source of, of on-shelf availability information. But the one we're really excited to talk about today is the fixed camera space. Um, and so we've got three representatives here that we're just gonna jump to that, that piece. Uh, there are three individual companies that either have cameras or sensors that allow you to know if a product is on the shelf. Uh, some of them tell you if they're low stock. Some of them tell you if they're plugged products, et cetera. So without any further ado, we're going to introduce, have them introduce themselves. Uh, we're going to start out with uh, Susie from Focal Systems. Susie, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Focal Systems? You bet, Mike. Thanks. And I would be remiss, um, since this is on behalf of University of Arkansas, if I didn't say hook them horns, since I am in Austin and an avid Longhorn. Um, it's the first time I've lived in Texas in the last 15 years, so I'm feeling extra burnt orange. So, But thanks, Mike. And we, we really appreciate being included. Um, Susie Monford, I've spent, gosh, 25, almost 30 years in the grocery industry. And I sometimes say I feel like I've been the luckiest girl in grocery because I got to start my grocery career here in Texas with HEB Central Market Division, uh, about four or five years with them when they were nascent and growing. And I got to help develop everything from run the business, new technology to store design. Then another five or six years with HEB writ large and more of the same. Since that time, I've, I've twice moved to Australia. I worked for Kohl's, I've worked for Woolworths, leading innovation, a lot of that tech-enabled innovation. And then back here in the U.S., I've had opportunity to be CEO of beloved community grocers like Andronico's Community Markets in San Francisco Bay Area. I've spent three years working for Kroger, running a banner in Pacific Northwest, being group vice president for Fresh, uh, based in Cincy, being group vice president of e-commerce. Um, and so I've been able to curate a really interesting experience across grocery operations and merchandising and technology and store innovations. And along the way, what's been what's enabled me to be effective in my job and help grow and run companies and equally turn companies around was really leaning into what's new and what's next in technology. That's why I'm so thrilled to be with Focal Systems. I've been part of their journey since 2015, did the first POC in San Francisco, brought them into Kroger and really happy to be working with them now. Thank you. Wow, that's awesome. 
And except for that Texas comment, I agree with everything you said. There's something hey. around that. Hey, hey, Susie, you also had a, a, a one pager that you wanted to kind of describe a little bit about the sure. focal system. I think that would help our audience understand that a little bit. Why don't you go ahead and gotcha. cover that? Great. You want to move on to that? Awesome. So yeah, moving from left to right, this is kind of the elevator slide. Really, really simple because, um, you know, I'm a grocer. Uh, I'm a merchant at heart. I'm an operator at heart. I like to keep things simple. We have best in class fixed shelf camera. It's tiny. It's the size of my thumb. Um, and we kind of talk about it as the single source of truth. These cameras um, are very fast to install, very inexpensive. You know, as soon as the iPhone got really good at at cameras, you know, where that technology got much more affordable. So we have an incredibly powerful camera built into a very small fixed shelf cam that runs for about three years on two AA batteries. We can install a whole aisle in about four minutes. We had some fun with it not, not too long ago. We had a race who could install the fastest aisle. So from that single source of truth, that camera, we measure out of stocks, planogram non-compliance. We measure when products are low and when products have been restocked by the teammates who use something called an action tool out in the field. And so, and so what? Well, we use AI computer vision. We pull it through our deep learning model. We are a deep learning first company and we have a stack. We automate hourly shelf scans, which as an operator, oh my gosh, you tell me I never have to scan lows and holes again. No more ones, tons, and nuns. Holy cow, game over. And on top of that, we know precisely what time of day things have are in stock or when they're not in stock. So we can help promote things like own brand and what's on, what's on the uh, seasonal ad or the end cap. So hourly automated shelf scan, uh, automated prioritized replenishment. We actually let you put the customer at the center of everything you do because you can now replenish based on what matters most first. And what matters most is what the customer wants. Mm -hmm. We do optimize labor from doing that, minimally a two to three X ROI just on the labor alone. We automate e-commerce. The number one reason people don't like e-commerce is because they get a substitution or they get uh, just a hole in their order. We take care of all of that. And then last and not, certainly not least, near and dear to my merchandiser heart, adaptive planogramming. When we know what runs out at certain times of day, we can help you localize your stores by saying, hey, instead of one facing of this product, why don't you expand it to two and go two cases to shelf or whatever the, whatever the case may be. So that's it in a nutshell, incredible amount of AI computer vision uh, and machine learning, but most importantly, our deep learning algorithm is informed by over now over 100,000 cameras deployed around the world, over 2 billion images in our database, and we're learning and growing faster every day. Awesome. Thank you so much. I've got about five questions, but I can't jump into those. <laughs> no worries. No, we'll have time. So we are definitely going to have time for sure. So um, let's move on to uh, Derek, you at InView. You've got a solution that's uh, a little bit different than that. A little bit different. Uh, again, thanks, Mike, for inviting me. And again, the opportunity to sit on panel with these uh, other distinguished solutions providers. Uh, again, my name is Derek Johnson. I'm the product director for our sales enablement category. So within my responsibility, I manage three distinct product categories that provide retail solutions, primarily in security. Um, but the category of interest that I'm actually going to talk about today is relatively new to us, and it's intelligence sensing. 
So India's been around for 50 years. We've been a retail technology innovator, really providing a lot of solutions as it relates to retail security, uh, operations as it relates to, to key management and other associate activities within the store. But we've recently launched a new ecosystem that we call Live. And it's basically a connected ecosystem that allows for deployment of small sensors that give you much more data than you would see in the store. So now whether I'm inside the store or a thousand miles away, I can get insights from individual sensors. Um, and so this aids in not only security, but planogram compliance, um, in customer behavior insights. And so we look at what are some of the other pain points within the retail space besides just security or associate productivity that we could address with the solution. And that's how we came up with the idea to develop an OSA sensor. And so I have a video that I'll show in a second, but basically the OSA sensor, um, my, my two colleagues are going to talk about front of shelf solutions. We are a back of shelf solution, uh, not only shelves, but also hanging merchandise. So very small connected IoT sensor that doesn't take pictures, it actually just scans and it's scanning for the presence of material in front of it. And so we can monitor uh, what's available, what's out of stock. Um, with, and I'll show you this in a video, but what's available in terms of low stock as well. So, uh, Mike, go ahead and run that video and it'll explain a little bit more about the OSA solution. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play it with a caveat that once we jumped on the Zoom, the other videos I was playing were a little choppy, but we'll give this one a shot. InView's OSA sensor works with Live to accurately track the availability of most valuable SKUs and deliver alerts when shelves are empty so that you never miss a sale. Each sensor can be instantly added to existing shelves or hanging fixtures within seconds. Direct visibility of on-shelf status gives associates the information to quickly stock merchandise and ensure your shoppers have access to the products they need. OSA sensor accurately monitors the product assigned to each space and sends a notification through the live app to make associates aware that a product needs to be restocked. When used with a dispenser or pusher, OSA sensor can also recognize when a position is low, so you can restock before merchandise is unavailable. All data is captured via live software, allowing retailers or brands to evaluate out-of-stock trends across stores and implement strategies to improve sales. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so as you can see, similar to the fixed camera solutions, we're battery operated, so really quick and easy to deploy. Uh, one thing that we found in terms of how people see this and where they find value is the ability to deploy this very quickly, only on the products that really make sense. An OSA sensor is not gonna make sense for every single product in the store, but on certain categories in certain areas within the store, it really makes a lot of sense. And just the, the stream of data that it can collect is, is really driving a lot of value. So really excited to talk more about that. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it very much. Michael, Michael gets the, uh, he gets extra credit because he's actually calling in from vacation PTO. So um, Michael, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and then SES Imago Tag. Yeah, let me thank you very much for the introduction. Let me start with a with a small uh, small introduction of myself and, and the company. We are since uh, could you give me allow me to share? So I yes. will start here with this. Oh, perfect. That's 
Amazing. So let's start. Uh, I'm working for a company called SES Imago Tech, which is uh, yeah, the, by far the largest manufacturer of electronic shelf edge labels and IoT devices for the retail in the world. So uh, typically in a, in a, we are growing by around 20 to 25% annually and reached the last year just a, a, about 400 million of revenue growing extremely fast, having a big footprint now in the US as well. And having also very large uh, stakeholders in the group with Qualcomm from the Bay or Eing as the inventor, uh, a startup. <laughs> it's not fair to say a startup. Uh, as a part of uh, the MIT in Boston, invented the electronic uh, e-paper solutions. So we are a stock-listed company in France. Uh, working together with the largest uh, retailers in the world, having 15 offices globally, three manufacturing plants, and more than 120 people in total R&D. We're working together with the leading retailers, 300 of the leading retailers globally, including a very famous one in, or two very famous one in the US, just uh, Walmart announced to work together with us in terms of digitalizing the shelf as well as, as Coles Group using our IoT technology to really help to make the, the, the digital journey or let the digital journey happen. So what do we do? So it's not just, it's a bit of a merge of what my, what, what uh, Susie and Derek just said. Uh, the primary product is an electronic shelf at labels, and especially in these times where we, where we see that the price is changing very often, this is a very helpful tool. And we combine this tool, the electronic shelf at labels with new sensors. And this new product is the camera you see here. It's an amazing product. You just click it on the shelf. It immediately recognizes the product on the other side of the air. It'll have a motion sensor into it and immediately recognize it out of shelf products, re recognizing misplaced products, uh, planogram, velogram, and so on, and compares it and brings this and, and transforms this data into structured data. That's one of the, the pictures from the latest deployment we have in France, for an example, where we just installed this camera and it's just amazing. We install every day in a store 100, uh, 120 cameras. And it's even not necessary that we have our own employees there. The technology, it's so simple that even the associates in the store are able to install this kind of cameras with a battery lifetime of up to one year. It's really incredible. But that's not sufficient. That's not enough because we have realized that the camera can only see a 2D picture. So what, what we have, uh, what we did is we used our 30 years experience in building ultra low power IoT devices and merged them together with uh, inventory sensors. So we use the sensors and see that the product is out of shelf, but we combine it with a time of flight sensor so that we really can predict when is a product out of shelf so that we associate and be there before a product is out of shelf. We use the camera for the planogram compliance. We use the inventory sensor if necessary for the high volume products to predict out of shelf. And we use the electronic shelf actually able to adapt the pricing and being always the ones and having a single product, a single cloud, a single IoT management system, which combines all these three technologies. The impressive thing on it, and that's a bit the, the, our history, is that we not just have IoT sensors. We are CB and AI companies since we yeah, started 30 years ago, and we are working together with leading partners. So uh, just having as a back, as a core system, working since years together with SAP, with Microsoft, 
in terms of planogram comparison with uh, Blue Yonder, Panasonic globally in Japan, in US and in Europe, as well as with Relax. And managing the camera network together with our global partners is at Extreme Networks, is at Cisco Maraki, Aruba, Lancome, or Huawei. They are the, the global partner network. And that's what we do with our uh, fixed camera business. So thanks uh, for giving me the time for the introduction and yeah. get back to you, Michael. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, so we got we have some questions already um, from the folks who have joined us, but I've got some setup ones. And and uh, Susie, we're going to start with you. And you've got a extremely interesting background with a lot of experience in retail, running retail operations, doing merchandising in retail. Now you're on the technology side, providing solutions to the people that they used to be. Uh, so obviously the first question is what's the business driver here? You mentioned some of it in your kickoff, but we'd love to double tick click a little bit. Why, why is suddenly these solutions have to be in place? What are the challenges that retailers are seeing and, and, and what's the business challenges? It's all, I'm going to just make, say that it's a people centric solution. Um, retailers very much desperately need to put the customer at the center of everything that they do so they can differentiate themselves so they can maintain and grow market share so to do that, you have to take care of the other set of people that you employ, which is your employees. And right now, we are in a we're we living in a day of labor crisis. We don't have enough humans, and so to think that we can continue to run and stand up businesses that can survive and thrive, and invest labor in what I consider to be non-value-added tasks like the manual walk around the store to do scanning of lows and holds. There's no value add there. There's not one customer that shops, um, you know, that shops a Kroger store that says, no, I shop Kroger because I see them scanning lows and holes. So we've got to de-invest non-value added labor and automate and optimize the store. So our entire point of view is we're going to digitize the store so that we can put smart uh, OODA loops into how we run our business observe, orient, decide, act. We've got cars that can drive themselves that automate basic fundamental decisions. We wanna do the same thing inside our store so that retailers and merchants can invest that labor into being smart merchants, building and writing better ad seasonal promotions, getting behind their own brands, having labor to invest in customer experience, customer service, dedicating labor and teams to digital e-commerce because we're not just you know a store is not just a brick and mortar store it's also an online micro fulfillment center mm -hmm. so there are many things and many places to invest in the go-to-market strategy to invest that labor in it's certainly not in the manual tasks so then we need to make running stores easier faster we need to be able to, to have speed to market when we hire a new employee get them to become highly effective very quickly with smart tools in their hand that help them know what to do, what the customer values most, getting that product to shelf, getting the most important products to shelf in real time. So the, so the, the nuts and bolts answer is we need to upskill labor. We need more labor. We need technology to scale our human labor. And that's the reason that retailers of all types, not just grocers, are reaching toward AI computer vision for uh, their solutions. Wow, that's a, that's a great summary of the problem that we've got for sure. 
Michael, adoption, you mentioned adoption in your kind of opening uh, discussion of your solution. Clearly, adoption is expanding in your space. Uh, do you think some of the reasons that Susie just mentioned uh, are the reasons for that adoption? Or uh, what are some of the driving factors for adoption of this tech? We see several things. So first of all, there was it started with a bit of a war between uh, the e-commerce and the retail already 10, 15 years ago. So it's it's not new, but it's accelerated. And what we see, uh, I'm, I'm working for 30 years in the IT industry. I never have seen that an industry like like retail is so evolving right like right now. So there is a shortage of, of, of personal or associates. That's one thing. The other thing is uh, there are new expectations from the shoppers as well. We have a new generation of shoppers, which is used, especially in the pandemic, to buy online. And they, they are looking now for a new experience in store and what they hate what everyone hate is is a lane at the checkout and what everyone hate is uh, have no product availability when they come to shop in a store so that's mm -hmm. that's one thing on the other thing we see in all the countries we work and that's more than 60 uh, that that we have this labor shortage and this labor shortage is new in in the past we was fighting very hard with our ESL to find the the, the right uh so the cost of ownership, the return on investment. Now we are there and our, our customers, our retailers said, is it all or do you have more? And we say, yes, we have more. It's not just that you can do automated pricing. You now see the shelf. We are talking about uh, a, a digital shelf, which that if a product is low and not available, we give this information to e-commerce, to omnichannel. If it's low, we change the price and give a recommendation on the price tag. So many things are doable now with this technology when you have a single platform, a backbone in the in the center of your IT. And that's what we that's what we see definitely in all of the 30,000 stores we have equipped with our technology. Okay, great. Well, Derek, question for you. And then we've got a couple of questions that are coming in. Just a reminder, if you do have questions, feel free to uh, put them in the chat and I'll uh, I'll throw them to the panelists here after each section. Um, what do you think the future is, Derek? I mean, it seems like it's fixed cameras and sensors have, have sort of coming on fairly quickly over the last several years. I'm assuming the, the, the future is bright for this kind of thing, but talk to us a little bit about what you and Envy think about the future. Yeah, I think it is. And it's because of all the business drivers that Susie talked about. You know, when I look high level, we're using sensors and cameras more than any other time. If you think about it, all of our vehicles have tons of cameras and sensors our homes, cameras and sensors. And now in the retail space, you're seeing a need. And, and again, for those business drivers that Susie mentioned, the need to um, supplement and sometimes replace um, very hard to get very expensive sometimes labor uh, activity. So now uh, as the technology continues to evolve, I think it's going to push all of us as solutions providers to, to innovate even more. You know, I think about it in, in terms of um, 3D printing. You know, 15 years ago, 3D printing was novel. Um, and I remember our CEO at the time, the company I worked for saying, you know, in 10 years time, we're gonna have a 3D printer in everybody's house. Well, we're not quite there yet, but you probably have them, if all of us have kids, probably somewhere in your kid's school there's a 3D printer somewhere. Mm -hmm. and, and I can see a day where there are connected cameras front facing for planogram compliance and plugs, and then rear-facing sensors working together to provide richer and richer data. I think as the technology improves, as cameras get better, as sensors get more comp uh, more complex and, 
and sophisticated, um, I think there's going to be a, high, a higher need for, for better data management because now you've got all this rich data being gathered. What do you do with it? How quickly can you deploy that to a person who one needs to make a decision and then two, another person who actually needs to do something about it. But I can see all of those things rising and improving together and not in a long time. I think we're, you know, I think it'll continue to improve, you know, five years from now, we'll be having another seminar and, and all of us will have even um, better and more sophisticated solutions to, to talk about. Mm, great. Thank you, Derek. Super. So if I'm a retailer out there or a brand owner, either, either one, depending on who I talk to, I get a different response. The people who have robots think robots are the future, the robots that sh scan the shelf. The folks who are out there, and we've had them on this 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 uh, podcast before, and they they make a very compelling argument why a shelf scanning robot can provide you the level of outs and alerts and pricing that you can't get anywhere else. We've also had people on who've produced algorithms. Those algorithms are used to say, "Hey, we don't think this is selling as much as we should be, so we think there's an out of stock. Go check it." Uh, we've also had a panelist on RFID. You get the point. There's other competing solutions out there. So as we think through fixed cameras and sensors, how do you make an articulate? Do they work with these other technologies? Do you, do you, and what are the advantages that you see for the fixed fi cameras and sensors? And I'll just kick this open to any of the panelists who would like to ask answer this one. So, you know, and, and Mike, we've talked a little bit about this, but I think it's important for all of us, and I'm sure we're all very articulate at doing so, understanding what our technology can do really, really well, but also understanding what we can't do. Uh, I think um, as we look, and I've had the pleasure of sitting in on, I think, all of those seminars. I learned a lot, really, uh, really informative seminars, but what I'm learning is that, you know, as a solutions provider, you really need to understand that it, it's probably unlikely that one solution is going to solve every single problem. But how can my solution meet a, a specific need, uh, possibly in a, either a niche um, vertical or even as specific as a niche product category? How can I drive value for that product category? And I think as a solutions provider, if you can identify that and really craft your solution to meet that need, then that's, where, that's what you chase. That's what you go after. I think trying to, trying to uh, swallow the ocean ends up choking you and, and you end up not being able to provide really the value that you want to to your, uh, to your customers. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I would piggyback on Derek, what, what you're saying and you're spot on. I mean, I, uh, one of my roles with Kroger, I was group vice president of e-commerce and ran the Ocado uh, sheds, the Ocado fulfillment. And that's an Ocado fulfillment centers is a per, is the probably perfect example for the use of robotics in, in retail and in food retailing. In a mere seconds, a hive of robots can pick an entire order, mere seconds. When you come to the retail consumer facing, we wanna drive more products and the right product to the right shelf at the right time of day when the customers want them. Therefore, we need more data. Robots generally do one scan a day and that's mm -hmm. if they don't run anybody over and there's nobody blocking the view and, and, and that the thing is even working. And I get it. I love robots. I, I saw the Jetsons as a kid. So it's super cool. <laughs> but you know, we believe in fixed shelf cameras because they never call in sick. They're never late. Ours wake up one time an hour or more frequently. You could have an image every five minutes if you wanted. It's about the amount of compute that you need and what the data that you need. So we find that investing in AI computer vision via the fixed shelf cam the most efficient, the most scalable, the most affordable, and the most reliable for real data in real time. RFID, RFID, I love it. 
I sort of love it, hate it because I can pay for something with the click of my iPhone. So sometimes my checking account may not love it. That's where RFID works at a, at a, at a payment center, AKA your credit card swipe machine. But RFID in grocery store, it doesn't work. You know, we sell things that come in cans and it doesn't read through the metal and it's really expensive. So again, the most efficient, sustainable, ecological and data rich version solution we found is the fixed shelf cam. Yep. And, and, and I just, summar, just summarize for a couple of reasons. Number one is you're scanning it as frequently as you need to, to see if the, if the in-store conditions are right to your point versus a robot that's literally going through the aisles. One time um, a day. And I think the other challenge of a robot, if we can just be transparent, is that's just more stuff in the aisle that creates shopping frustration for those people who are in the aisle with their grocery carts. And now I've got to navigate this robot going around. I think those are disadvantages. And there are some advantages as well, but the, there are some certainly some disadvantages. Michael, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I think we, we should leave the decision to, to the retailers. And we have seen in the technology that there is not a, a single route to success. So what, what, what we learned, there, there are multiple routes to success. Therefore, we developed, and that, that, that's our philosophy, we developed the, the Fusion Cloud Platform where we connect the robots, the RFIDs, the sensors all together and merge it to a sense of fusion. Of course, and I'm agreeing with Susie, we also see that the camera is the best solution because at the end it's 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 cheaper versus when you see the maintenance costs running a robot it's much easier to install a camera replace the camera when it's defect than to to find robot specialists all over the us that's that's a tough job and if you see the shortage not talking about a shortage in in shopper uh, in in uh, retail associates i'm talking about a shortage of it specialists and it specialists for robots it's tough to find everywhere in the world so that's why i see just replacing a camera on the shelf just the kid can do it and and so that that's why i said it's just from a maintenance perspective the better solution but of course if someone and we see it in europe have invested in robots and they're heavily invested investment in robots i've seen your your webcast as well there are rollouts and if shoppers and if retailers decide for it just include it include it to our fusion platform and we work with it but I like okay. the work from Susie. It's a better choice to go with cameras. Awesome. So we have a we have a question from the audience, which I think is a pretty good one. And I will summarize it by saying this solution that you're putting in is not necessarily a technology solution. It's a change management solution. Because here's the question. How do you provide how do you get the retailer to engage and actually use the data? that you provide. We find that there are retailers that know that they're out of stock, but they don't place purchase orders to restock the inventory. So you're giving an alert, a solution that says, hey, we have an issue here, uh, but it's really a change management to get that to the right people. Who are the people that actually address these alerts uh, in the store and how do you work at, this is a change management project. I'm happy to take a go and then maybe let my teammates um, equally weigh in. Um, yeah, the chain, I love that question because it's acknowledging that this requires a paradigm shift, a culture shift. Um, and, and again, uh, we've all approached this, I, I know, in our solutions. 
at Focal, we again, we, we work to put people at the center of what we're doing, whether it's the customer, but inside the store, it's the associates, it's the teammates that run the store. So through our operating system, we've got something called the Action Tool, which is an app that you can run on a UNFI device, or moreover, it's a Zebra handheld that we use. And it directs the, the associate to do all of the restocking replenishment tasks in sort of a gamified fashion that gives them instant positive feedback. It's a positive feedback loop. It helps them, they no longer are they hunt, hunting for the product in the back of the house that they need to replenish. Because we've got cameras in the back of the house and on the floor and top stock, we guide them to that. We help them prioritize their work. We give them tools to give feedback. So that's one way that we work to create change is we enable the associate to do their highest and best work fast and efficiently. So much so to the fact that some of our customers, we've literally had employees say, oh my gosh, if you ever take this technology out of this store, I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit or I'm never gonna leave this store because I love this store because it's got focal. And we are getting that positive feedback from our customers around the world, particularly with Walmart, with whom we work um, in, a, in a massive rollout as I speak in Canada, for instance. So it's the workers and the teammates in the stores. We find if we can create cultural change there, then that goes upward to the category managers, to the store leaders. So it's not just corporate office down. It's not just the chief merchant, chief operator, CIO. We build from the ground up really fun, fast, easy to use tools. That's how we're affecting change along that paradigm curve. Awesome. Uh, Derek, Michael, any other builds on that? Yeah, similarly, understanding who those people are that, that, that really care about this. You know, you're right. Some, uh, to the question asker, some retailers will say, yes, I know I have a problem. Just don't want to fix it right now. That's going to be a hard sell either way. But finding and identifying retailers that, one, they may not already, and we found success with smaller retailers that may not have a really um, robust OSA system already, or they may rely just on manual audit. Um, they are primed for, for being introduced to some simple tech that they can deploy, again, at a single product category, or maybe a small grouping of products that are immediately going to give them information. Um, our sensors scan every five minutes. Now, um, you, don't, you, only get a, you only get an alert when you see an out of stock or in the case of, of low stock. Um, so they can either choose to act immediately or that collection of out of stocks and low stocks can be presented to them in a really quick report. And so we have different ways that they can respond. But I think point one is really understanding that retailer's pain points today, what they do today, how they manage it today, and looking for opportunities to introduce tech that's actually going to save somebody money, make the company more, uh, save somebody time and make the company more money. Uh, I, I will admit there are a lot of retailers that are just okay with their, their chaos and, or, or their homegrown OSA system. They may not have a problem, but I think identifying those retailers that have those clear pain points is, is step number one. You really got to get in front of the right people. Awesome. I, I had a build I have, on that. I'm sorry, go ahead, Michael. I have a, I, I, have a, I, I think we need to differentiate. We have a tier one, a tier two, and a, a tier three retailer globally. So there, there is not a single answer. Uh, having change management means we, we change things. Uh, if you don't, if you do not, if there is no need to change things because you are that much integrated into like the, the uh, SAP, for an example, we have a worldwide partnership with SAP. So when we talk about computer added ordering, 
we have our interface between our system and SAP. So there is not that much of, of, of change management. And the other thing is to change people's mindset. It's, it's a lot about to convince them that we not destroy their job because they have fear, because there is a camera which creates fear. It could destroy the job. Of course, we are now in a, in a job shortage, but in the long run, we will see that will change. So change management means we need to convince the folks, uh, the SSAs. And therefore, we, we started to have an own, and, and, and that's our way to do it. We have an own consulting uh, part of it where globally, where we really have consultants from other consulting companies, which are used to train people, the associates, the management, how to use this technology, because it's completely new. Derek said it right. We are used to work with, or we are used to drive a Tesla with a lot of cameras or Mercedes or Porsche or whatever, but we don't feel the camera. We don't see the mm -hmm. camera. That's a bit different. If you look to the cameras, focal installer, we install, you see them and you get a fear on it. So change management is not just convincing them for a new way to work with it, also to convincing them that it's not an enemy, it's a friend because it helps. And that that's the thing we need to do. And I think that's 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 the important thing on a on a change management perspective to yeah to go about yep. this this bridge. Awesome. Mike, can I just say one thing? I just want to build sure. on what Michael, Michael said real quick. Michael, 100% alignment. I just want to throw out this notion because whomever wrote the question, if, if it's helpful. Um, similarly, you know, at Focal, yes, we're a SaaS company, but we do, we lean in a lot to thought leadership and being a very, our mission is to be a, the best consultative partner we can be. So along that line, I would invite any retailer out there listening, if you need some help and you want to talk about AI computer vision, not that doesn't have to be centered on focal, but how do you enact change management? Just reach out. We're happy to chat to you because, and here's why. What I'm really afraid of, and I've started speaking, um, speaking out to grocers, is right now we've got such a supply chain issue, right? It used to be that as a retailer, we would we would drive and incentivize a minimum of 97.5 to 98% um, uh, OSA from our, supplier, so from our suppliers. That's where penalties would kick in. But now, living in the supply chain crisis, we've got suppliers who are under the pump and then retailers who are increasingly growing accustomed to 7, 9, 12, 15% out of stocks day after day after day. So much so that they have stopped doing some of the daily disciplines like scanning lows and holes. And you've got to do that if you don't have AI computer vision, because then you don't know. And what happens is you are, it's a slippery slope and it goes very quickly to the bottom. So I'll put a point there, but change management starts with don't be afraid of the data. I think Michael, you said that. Derek, you touched on that too. Don't be afraid of the data. C collect the data any way you can. And there are consultative companies like uh, likely all three of us that are here to help you learn how to lean in and action that data. Wow. That's, that's huge. That's huge. And, and the follow-up question I think I've, I've got from that, from the, from the chat that just came through is I don't think the retailer is the only customer of this data. When we think about this, there are brand owners to your point, Susie, Hey, I'm shipping 98% on time and in full into your store, but your stuff's not making it to my shelves and my shelves don't look right. Can we provide because the brand owners, the CPG companies, can the merchandisers, the Acostas, the Crossmarks, et cetera, can they be looped into this connectivity that says, hey, we may not be able to get to every alert from a retail perspective. Can the brand owners and the merchandisers 
can the direct store delivery people, because they're responsible for delivering product without really the store's engagement, other than approval, et cetera, can the direct store delivery folks use your sensors? Again, it, it broadens the scope of this technology outside just the retailer. But for, for any of you, just talk a little bit of because what they're asking is, isn't this something that's broader than the retailer? And I think it in fact is. Yeah, and you mentioned all three entities, the, the brand, the, the merchandising companies that they work with, and ultimately the retailer. Now, it's really important that all three of them are willing to play because the, the retailer, they are selling the product, but they have to give permission to install that camera, to install that sensor. They have to be fully bought in and understand the value that it's going to bring. One, one interesting discussion uh, that we've had with some brands is understanding performance, uh, where, where certain things perform. You know, whether they've got the same product deployed on an end cap and also their normal modular. Um, if they're just looking at point of sale data, they can only see, oh, well, we sold this number of, of items. But now, if you've got, whether it's a fixed camera or a sensor that can not only detect uh, outs, but it can also detect lows, now you can get a better understanding of, well, maybe that end cap performed a lot better than I expected, or maybe it was a dog, and maybe I'm not going to pay for that space next time because I'm getting better business in my my modular. So there's definitely, I think, value for both the, the, the brands, the merchandising companies they work with, and then ultimately the, uh, the retailer. Yeah, I think you're 100% you're correct. I mean, in terms of focal, we don't monetize our data. Um, we, that's up to the retailer. If the retailer wants to monetize their, and commercialize that data, Great, good on them. No, no worries there. CPG, we get a tremendous amount of reach out from CPG, and not just CPG, but also third-party providers, the folks that are enabling um, e-commerce delivery, yep. click and collect, and pickup. So, at Focal, you know, we want to be the world's best consultative partner to our retailers. So, the when we work with the retailer, they own their own data. Um, but you're very, you're right. This data is very, very valuable uh, for CPG, for third-party, and the retailer themselves. I'm I'm agreeing with with Susie. So the the thing is, the data belongs to to the retailer, but uh, there is a, there is a balance between the the CPGs or the vendors and the retailers because both have a common interest to have increased sales. So what we learn, and that's interesting, uh, when we see also to reducing carbon footprint is using this data to re reduce the effort. Uh, monitoring the shelf. So you have another session where you said you made this on-store or on-site monitoring people looking by by a human being at the shelf. Does it make sense in, in this world where Teslas have more cameras than any other <laughs> vehicle in the world? So it, it doesn't make any sense. So the, the world is changing, and and the other world is that means we have we have a we have a crisis not only just in, in in Ukraine we have a crisis that we have to look on the carbon footprint. That means using this data to reduce it, that we have our sales for uh, for small oriented on on the shelf on the consumer on the shopper. It's exactly what we can do with it. But it's a, a decision of the retailer. And we know from Europe that they sell this data for an enormous amount. And that's what we can help with our uh, shelf edge or with the shelf cameras. That's exactly what we can do. It's a business model for them as well. Supporting our total cost of ownership or reducing the total cost of ownership for shelf edge cameras. Okay. So, so somebody just chatted and asked me, isn't this too expensive? And while I don't want to get into the cost of this solution or anything like this, what I will say 
is if it was too costly, I don't think these three companies would be on right now talking about the adoption and expansion that they're seeing out there in the industry. Um, they wouldn't have any installed. They'd get one maybe opportunity to demo it. And then if it's too expensive, Susie and I both know based on retail, it, it tells it pr pretty quick whether it's going to work or not. So so what are the ROI benefits? Let's not talk about what they are because I don't want to get into a, you know, a pricing discussion, but I am interested. So the retailers that are deciding to use your guys' solution, I'm assuming they're doing it based upon increased sales, increased on-shelf availability, um, anything that looks like recovered sales. I was out and I fixed it. So what are some of the key KPIs that these retailers are using to say, this is a smart investment in addition to the people savings that I'm not having the people do scan out. So maybe just give us a high level of what the KPIs the retailers are looking for. Yeah, I'm happy to jump in there for first. I mean, it's what we've been talking about first and foremost, labor. How do I stop investing in non-value added labor so that then I can either take some of that savings to the bank or reinvest it in areas so I can differentiate and make my concept of my shopping experience, my CX, even more powerful. So there is a massive, massive ROI on labor alone. Um, and again, all the largest companies that we work with around the world, we usually get there first. Then you mentioned sales. Yeah. So sales, gross profit margin, you know, with AI computer vision, when you know what's in stock at what time of day, you can help shift the mix. You can help promote own brand. You can help promote your seasonal in and outs. You can promote anything you want to by having a laser focus on that. We believe if you see more, you can do more. So this information every hour on the hour or more frequently, if you'd like, um, enables you to be a smart, efficient merchant. It ties into the e-commerce layer. That again is incremental profitable sales lift. And the one thing I want to make sure I'm always an evangelist for is I want to come back to the people piece, the associates working in the store. When we can make these jobs easier, better, more fun, then we, we unleash professional benefits and wages for everybody in our business. We're going to attract, hire, and keep top talent. We're going to grow careers on behalf of our retailers. And we know that we need to do that to help the industry continue to survive and thrive. But it starts with labor, sales, gross profit margin. Ultimately, it's EBITDA. And that's where we've seen, uh, you know, I could give you all kinds of fancy numbers, but they're all true, a 10x or higher return on EBITDA. And that trickles down to earnings per share if you're a publicly traded company. So it's really how the operator, how the retailer invests the labor savings, the labor efficiencies, and the lift of sales and gross profit margin. Yeah, one thing that Michael mentioned about being more efficient, when we look at how CPG brands utilize merchandisers, some merchandisers, they go to stores on a schedule and they just go and they may go to a store that really doesn't need any replenishment, but understanding that data before they ever pack a truck or before they actually arrive at a store then allows them to uh, realize OPEX savings. So that, um, another figure I, I've heard from a major brand, is, you know, for them, 1% OSA improvement equated to about $15 million in a, in a recovery of, of sales. So the, the money's definitely there when people understand what the OSA is, but then to what we've been saying all along, actually being able to take action on it and, and make some, some transformative changes within the retail space uh, is re really where the value lies. Thanks. What we what we've seen, we did a, a survey in, in a chain in, in France, and what we realized is uh, are, are three things. First of all, 
it's it's a gap scanning, so saving saving time and labor. But that that's enormous. We talk in one hundred stores about forty to fifty thousand hours uh, a year. So that that that's even if you look from a labor shortage perspective, and that you need for some areas for some a product categories that you need well skilled people, then then it's enormous when you see that. The other thing is increase in, in, in revenue. That's also enormous. We see if you increase by by four percent the on-shelf availability, you can lift your revenue by uh, around two percent. But the most important thing have loyal customers, and and what we have seen, the net promoter score rises by fifty to sixty points just just having the products available. That's not all. We see also that we see in the omni-channel that that if you have stores which using an app that you purchase, that that if a product if you see the available availability like like for Instacart and any others that that you that you select on your mobile phone the right products because not a product which is wishful thinking which is not there that you select a product which is available. You also have happy e-commerce customers. And that that's very interesting. The other thing is when we go out of groceries, I and mean, then if we look to DIY stores, could you imagine you go to a Home Depot store looking for a light bulb and you do not find the right size that the necessary ones? Your grandma comes at the evening and you and you cannot switch on the light. You know you you won't go there anymore. So this is just disappointment poor, and that's the the, the moment of truth where such a solution is, is helpful, like 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 the help, yeah. So that that's a small moment where you really create happy shoppers, and at the at the final end, that 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 is the why for this solution. By the way, we haven't found a single customer which which have a return on investment longer than twelve months. Uh, mm. That's that's also nice. That's in all of the eighty projects. We are we are rolling out that that's really amazing. This thing right here is a game changer. Yep. Kroger, Kroger, if you don't have the flavor I'm looking for, I'm gonna use your Wi-Fi to orbit it from Amazon. Thank you very much. So it's the ultimate game changer in terms of where the people spend their money. So your all three of you's technology help to make sure the products that the retailer merchandisers are saying the customers want are available for them. So I applaud all of you guys. I think it's great. Um, I do want to get each one of you just a minute or so, if there's any other closing comments and the way I like to do the closing comments is, was there a question that I should have asked that I didn't? And if, it, if, if I, if there is, give us some, some of your thoughts of where this is going and anything else that you'd like to address that I didn't ask specifically, or our audience didn't ask. Uh, Susie, we'll start with you. Gosh, you asked a lot of good questions, um, and we'll we'll leave our college football teams out of it. You know, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I might just carry forward. Um, I'm back uh, at at the office after a couple of days in Denver at FMI uh, FMI Fresh Forward, which is their fresh centric conference, and we spent a lot of time talking about um, sustainability. So it was fresh health and wellness and sustainability. So the one territory we didn't cover here is something that we are quite advocates and evangelists for at Focal is that when we can run better stores and we have a more efficient supply chain, which starts with writing better orders, but I can't write better orders if I don't know my OSA and my out of stocks, not in general and not tomorrow or next week, which is what most perpetual inventory systems do. They take days to tell me the truth, whereas we can tell you the truth in an hour or faster or right now, if you like, and we give you actionable tools. But when we can do that, we create better merchants who can plan better. 
We create better operators who can write better orders and there's less waste and less shrink, less waste and less shrink. The retailer is winning. Wages can go up, prices can go down, but equally the sustainability footprint, we're not producing and transporting food all around the world that's only going into the waste bin. So here in the US in particular, we waste 30% of all the food that we sell. So one of the things that's underpinning Focal is uh, this idea of creating the new food economy and how do we use technology, automate, optimize brick and mortar retail for all the obvious KPIs, yes, but equally to create a more sustainable ecosystem in retail. So I just thought I'd share that. It's ever present. Um, it's not just the topic for ESG chat rooms. It's how companies are being run today. So I wanted to make sure I added that to the conversation. Awesome. Thank you very much. Derek, closing thoughts. And Michael, great sitting on panel with you guys. Um, I, I, like I said, I've watched all of these seminars, learn a, a ton. Uh, excited to see where this uh, portion of the industry goes and, and how we'll be carving out our niche. Uh, but, but yeah, really excited. Uh, again, thank you guys for your time um, and excited to, uh, to learn more. Great. Michael? There, you ask uh, really amazing questions, but there is one typically missing. In, in this field of, uh, of IoT, there is one big risk we are missing to talk about that cybersecurity. Because we install IoT devices in a, in a store and cybersecurity is the big stopper. If you have the best idea in the world and you, you, even if we talk, whatever we talk about the benefits in the field, IoT can stop us. And that's why I said, typically we need to raise this question about IoT cybersecurity, because you have devices, sometimes open devices in the store, which connects to the internet, which connects to the core, uh, like SAP, whatever, it connects to the core system. So cybersecurity is for me the, the big thing in IoT and retail next to the benefits they have. And I think that's the thing, if you talk about the robots, the RFID, the, the senders, whatever, I think the big thing on top of everything is cybersecurity and how to solve this topic. If you have millions of IoT, devi IoT devices in the store, a very interesting question because this shows how difficult it is to manage this device. All right, excellent. Well, thank you all very, very much for your um, participation, for the panelists. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for, for taking time out of your busy schedules. Um, and secondly, for the attendees, a couple of things. The first is uh, you got to hear the results first. Um, our plan is to, to share this podcast on LinkedIn, on the Conversations on Retail and the University of Arkansas channel, probably in the next few weeks or so. So uh, you'll be, if you missed it, if some of your colleagues missed it, uh, there'll be a chance to, to cover that then. Uh, please, please join us in uh, September. Uh, we're going to cover the last of the uh, on-shelf availability techniques, which is store audits. We've got people from Inflect, we've got people from Tracks, and we've got people from Field Agent that are all gonna be part of that. Uh, and a very, very different solution than we just talked about here. Uh, thank you all very, very much. Uh, Susie, Derek, Michael, thank you. Great insights. And uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us so much. Thank y'all. It was Thanks, a pleasure. God. Thank you very all much. Right. Cheers. Bye-bye everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us uh, to talk about the fixed camera and sensor solutions. I hope this has been very helpful to give you some of the idea of some of the capability that's out there in the industry today. For, for next week, we're going we're gonna to sh shift gears back to a topic that we really think is invaluable in terms of on-shelf availability and on-hand accuracy, especially in the apparel and the general merchandise area, and that's called RFID, Radio Frequency Identification. Join me next week as we invite Bill Tony, Vice President of Avery Denison, the, the leader in uh, RFID technology tags. Join us on our podcast to talk a little bit about the different kinds of capability that's available to retailers and brand owners today. We'll see you next time.